stay tuned. So you had a tweet today. You say your family deserves to have a rich person and it changes everything for everyone. Yeah, it really does because you can kind of become the cushion and the helper for everybody. And that's why when you have family and friends who maybe don't support your dreams or support your vision, they're actually doing themselves a disservice. Thank you so very much. That's just a taste of what you're going to get later on, baby. We're going to really sock it to Talk episode 116. Thank you very much. Are we on the air? Tweet sugar? dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby. And Raphael Husband. Episode Spider Bite. And I got bit by a spider and it was crazy. Um, my leg got infected. It kind of started to swell up. Couldn't really walk. And I was trying to just kind of play it off until it got too bad. I couldn't even really walk. So went to the doctor, got me some, some pills. And hopefully tomorrow I start seeing some improvements. Man, you got you got bit by a spider at the concert, man? No, uh, I guess there was a bug somewhere. I don't know where it happened. I just know I got bit. Man, with that, welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast. With your host, myself, Raphael Husbands. You can follow me on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow my co-host, Charles Oglesby the Third JD. Follow him on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. And we here talking about building black wealth and dissecting financial tweets. What's going on, Charles, besides spider bites? Well, you know, I did get a chance to go to the Kanye concert, which is a really cool experience for a few reasons. It was cool to see what he created. I'm always in awe of what Kanye can create with his mind. It's also cool to be around a bunch of other really big Kanye fans. So that's always cool. And um, just another experience, man. Another experience. And uh, they put on a good show. Interestingly enough, it didn't seem like Drake. I don't know. Drake didn't really do that good. I think maybe he could have done better. He just did a bunch of like his more recent stuff, but he didn't do like hits. Kanye came out there and did hit after hit after hit after hit. And so I was hoping that Drake was going to do the same. I was hoping that Drake was going to come out there and just do like all his hits. And uh, he ended up not doing it. So the Drake part was a little bit underwhelming, but Kanye definitely... uh, provided massive value for the experience. Yeah, I saw it on the timeline today. People were saying that Kanye kind of like outclassed him, played his hits where he just played his recent cuts, but oh well. Honestly, I was worried. I thought that, uh, I thought they were trying to play Drake because Mm. like what happened is when Kanye was on stage, he had like people running around, taking pictures, like filming him, a bunch of people like doing that work and everybody was singing all the songs, all that stuff. And then Drake went out there and Kanye walked off of the stage and he was just kind of walking around and all the cameras were just following him. So it was like two cameras on Drake and it was just a little stationary cameras. And so I was like, man, I hope he's not trying to like play Drake right now. And uh, so Drake was up there. You could tell he was kind of like frustrated because he was singing stuff and like nobody was really like getting hype. And then he started playing some stuff and they got kind of hype. But the, the thing about Drake's music is it's good music to listen to, but I don't know, like I don't really know a lot of Drake songs verbatim and I don't know why, but I know a lot of Kanye songs verbatim. Maybe if he did the old stuff, maybe I know it. But even then I was like, I don't know. Mm, Let's call this. Call this episode Dion Sanders, Jackson episode, State. Episode Free Hoover. <laughs> Free Hoover. Funny stuff. Have you man. have you read up on his case? Nah, I really haven't. Really so haven't. I did. 
Apparently, mm-hmm. Larry Hoover was like the leader of the Gangster Disciples, which is a pretty big gang in, in Chicago. Right. And I think that's I think that's why Kanye is familiar with him is because he's from Chicago. And I'm pretty sure Larry Hoover was like a legend. It's like once you go down, you kind of become a legend. Everybody talks about you. Like, Man, Larry Hoover, he was doing this. He was doing this. He had this car, that car, all these different things. And so I feel like he kind of had that legend about him. Anyway, when he was plus, like 23. Hmm? Plus Kanye claimed, uh, says he's GD too. So Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> he said that in um, the part two of the, uh, the drink chat. Oh, I didn't know that. He's, he's got it. a bunch of family uh, games with disciples. Oh, wow. It might be. Yeah. And so um, apparently he like either ordered a mor- murder or he did it himself. But I'm pretty sure he ordered the murder of some kid who like, I guess, was a snitch or something. Anyway, they gave him like 150 to 200 years. And then while he was in jail, he was like ordering. He was still like leading the game. And so they charged him with that, too. So they're trying to get him free. And he's like, if you look at his term, like he'll never be free. But honestly, I could see something, maybe one of those like compassionate release type things. But then again, I don't know, because I remember the same thing kind of happened with Tukey Williams out here, where Tukey Williams was another gang leader. And I want to say he was convicted of murder. And they actually executed him. And there was this big thing when his execution was coming up that they shouldn't execute him. And um, I think they still did execute him. <laughs> so I thought he was still alive. Okay. Hmm? Let me see. I thought, let me see. Tukey Williams. Maybe he is alive. No, he died in 2005, fam. Mm. Yeah. I don't follow that sure stuff closely, but. You should in this nonsense. <laughs> I've heard of him. That's like, only right. That's like half of Vlad TV is like half rappers, half gangsters. Yeah. And, and with the rappers, they're talking gangster stuff. So the crazy thing is, it's like, I don't understand why, like in the hood, they do all this killing. And for them, I feel like it's seen as sport. Like they don't really know, like, bruh, like this is actual murder. It's not just like some some stuff to do. <laughs> And mm. so you have all these kids just running around, just like killing folks. And it's just crazy. Like, I forgot what, like, I've been seeing in Los Angeles, there's been a lot of killings in Chicago and Philly and New York. I saw a video of some people in New York. It was on Twitter. They're, they're stopped at a stoplight. Somebody pulled up on them, opened fire, point blank, and just killed them. And my thought process is like, why do people resort to this? Like, I don't understand. What? I don't know, man. I don't think we got the capacity for this for this show. But what I think is really weird is when sometimes you see like these rappers that are barely re- removed from the streets. A lot of times they're not they're not that famous yet, but then they, they go up for murder or something. And then the fans are talking about free free this guy. I'm like, why should they free this guy? Like, did you forget he killed somebody? Not well, not just killed, murdered because there's a, there's a slight difference. Killers could be something an accident. You kill somebody, but when you meant to you meant to make that person die, that's murder. Don't talk about free yeah. somebody just because you like their music man <laughs> just weird yeah. to me. i can't honestly keeping it 100 i can't really even get down with the whole free larry hoover movement um i just went because it was kanye <laughs> <laughs> i'm a big kanye fan man I, it, the, the kanye mentality it's kind of what what is the um what is the rationale for freedom anyway i think it's more like compassionate release i i think that's what it is like he because if you think about it like the crazy part about it is he was convicted at 23 and there's a lot of kids doing a lot of stuff at in their early 20s and they don't realize like you're literally just throwing your whole life away and so mm-hmm. now he's like an old man he's changed his lifestyle he's trying to be more positive and so i think that that's kind of the claim is he's reformed, he's better, he is doing things for the community, and now he shouldn't be stuck in there for the rest of his life and he only has so much longer to live. I think that they, they if, I think it matters because I've heard of situations where maybe they'll release you. Like, for example, like if there's a husband and he caught his wife and his wife like was with some other dude and he like snaps and like shoots him. Right. 
first and foremost, that's not really murder. It's called manslaughter. It's heat of passion Criminal where passion. like you're so, yeah, you're so outraged that like you just, you snap and they still get a lot of time. But those people, especially if you can look and see like it wasn't a pattern, they weren't just like super violent. It was just this moment. And then also when they are in that, they're also nonviolent. They're not in there stirring up trouble. Then it's different. But I mean, as a GD, he might have been ordering other murders. Like, I don't think he even murdered the person that convicted him of murder. It's like the the murders that he ordered because and I haven't really dig, digged into it, but 150, 200 years. That's a lot for one person. Like yeah. one person it might be like 20 to life, 30 to life. 150 might mean there's some more stuff going on that maybe I didn't read on Wikipedia. Hmm. Right, right, right. I just want these younger kids to to not go through that because it, it makes it unsafe for everybody. People don't even want to live near people. And it's the same cycle, right? So it's like the same thing that like Larry Hoover, whatever, was doing is what these kids are doing now. So we're over here saying like free these people, but no, like they were terrorizing the community. Tukey Williams was terrorizing the community. Like just because they got convicted for one death doesn't mean they weren't even involved in a bunch of others. So yeah, yeah, you're right. But welcome to Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast. We talk about building black wealth <laughs> and bring it down financial tweets. And let's get into it. Um I wanna I was I meant to ask you before we start recording, but recording now, I still want to ask you. I was curious. A couple episodes ago I said um I call you Mr. 3.7 in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You said and you said I didn't like I didn't like I don't really like that intro. I meant to ask you why you didn't like that, man. Um, because I'm Jewish, man. <laughs> You know what people if people if people if people see that you are successful and they've seen success, they're gonna try to attack it. And I don't wanna be attacked, man. I don't want people coming after me, coming for me. And so it's like I wanna fly under the radar, do well, but fly low. So I'm not out here trying to have I don't know, all that attention because it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes. I was in the doctor's office today and I don't particularly like my doctor's office because it's, well, this is my first time going to this one in particular, but it was like urgent care. And so urgent care, you get all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And like, so like they had one of my cars and they're like, oh, what is this titanium? What is going on over here? Oh shit! And I was like, I was like, you kind of want, and I started to realize why people do certain things. It's like, cause you want to be around people who aren't really shocked by things like that. So you can do well, but it doesn't, it's not like this big to do about it. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes negative things can come with that. Sometimes positive and sometimes negative as well. So for me, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really like broadcasting a little bit. I, like that's why I don't really have it in my bio or anything because I mean, and that might actually hold me back a little bit because there's a lot of other folks. That's how they introduce themselves. Like, oh yeah, I'm a multimillionaire now. And now I hop off jets and I drive Range Rovers and all these different things <laughs> and it might help their brand and, and maybe it, it does, but I don't know. All right. I was just, just curious. All right. So I was going to start with a different tweet, but seeing as how we started it off talking about young people throwing their life away and also you saying people being used to nice things. I saw a tweet by this guy. His Twitter handle is AD the fly realtor. And he said, imagine your kids being exposed to nice things from a young age. Then when some fool comes along and flashes money in their face, they aren't desperate because it's nothing new. <laughs> What's your opinion? I, of that? I like the tweet. Um, it's kind of reminds me of that one tweet where they said, like, I got to make sure that I take my daughter places so she can see things so that she's not impressed when your son tries to take her to Miami or Atlanta. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Um, honestly, I never really thought of that only because I don't plan on having my child in an environment where like they're the exception. I want mm. them to be around people who this is how we live. Like we all get new cars. We all go on vacation. We all do all these different things. That's what I want. But I understand the premise and the principle. And I think it makes 100% sense because, and also why I want my son, because so my goal, honestly, once my child, my son gets like to the point where he's going to need money, it's just for him to have access to a credit card. 
because a lot of young men do dumb stuff because they don't have any money. And a lot of young men do dumb stuff over little money because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So I remember a few like that Wall Street Trapper story. He was talking like Wall Street Trapper was in jail and he was talking to um, this white dude. And he was like, I, I bet you all of you guys are in there for less than $150,000. He's like, yeah, what you mean by that? He's like, he had did some other stuff and like took some money from a company. But he was like, you guys are in here for 10 years and he's in there for 18 months and he took way more money. And a lot of young African-American men do dumb stuff for small money. So I don't ever want my son to be in that position to where he I know there's this young kid and he was working at the restaurant with the family and he had just finished high school. Pretty good kid, but he just wasn't really responsible. He just thought everything was a joke. The They ended up firing him from the restaurant and then he starts robbing stores. So he robbed one store and I want to say they, they didn't really say anything. I guess it was like a, they arrested him, did whatever. And then he robbed another store and they gave him like seven years. And I was like, bruh, this kid went from like being 18, all these different things, losing a job, but just going and doing straight dumb shit. So for me, my goal is just to protect my children from being in bad environments with bad people and they're chasing money, doing bad things. That's my only thing. As far as like exposing them to all those different things, that's a given. I heavily believe in exposure and my child will be exposed to everything. That's why I make sure that we're taking him to nice restaurants, making sure that he goes to nice malls, make sure he drives in nice cars, make sure we go through, see different neighborhoods. I'm even in terms of exposure. You got to expose your children to things that you can't even really attain yet. So Mm. like if there's a community and those homes are $2 million, $3 million, $4 million homes or or more and 10 million, 20 million, whatever, like you should be driving those, going and walking those, going to open houses, talking to the brokers, asking them like, what what kind of people live in these homes? What kind of people buy these homes? And then you figure out what you got to become going to the dealerships, going on boats, being at the yacht club. So I I feel like exposure is so important for children. You got to expose them to nice things. You got to expose them to the finer things. So that becomes their norm. That becomes what they expect out of life. It's kind of like when I was talking to Jamal, it's like, I like nice things because that's been my whole life. So for me, it's not one of those like, oh, um, I, I got to get nice stuff because I'm not trying to live broke no more. Or I don't want to look broke. It's like, nah, man, like I just been trying to get here for a while. I hear you. Hey, interesting stuff, especially um, exposing kids to stuff that even you can't obtain yet. That's cool. You had a tweet where you said and we left off the last episode with this, but we didn't expand on it. You said money on a vacation is money gone. I got that from something I was watching. I was just watching it and they were, they were talking about, I think maybe the comparison between putting money in a watch or putting money into like a luxury asset. It might have been a course I was watching versus a vacation and vacations ain't cheap if you vacate the right way. Granted, if you're somebody like the Hartzogs who's hitting crazy milestones, has crazy income from their business, they deserve a vacation. And, and jobs. Like that, and they got and jobs. And high income jobs. Yeah. Man, they are crushing it. And I think that should be an inspiration to all of us, honestly. Like seeing what they do is dope. But you want to know one thing that they do that a lot of women on the timeline don't do? His wife hustles. His wife works harder than him. His wife was a person that had the second job. His wife is a person who still has the second job. His wife works. And honestly, I think she actually has more education than him as well. But a lot of these women on the timeline, and I think one of the reasons why she's like this, Raphael, is because she is, she comes from an immigrant background. I don't know if you know this, but she? yeah, she I've heard her name is, it might, she might be Jamaican. It's some, it's some island, but have you noticed that like women, well, I can't say women all because there's some African women who are crazy lazy, like actually from Africa women, they, they don't think they got to do anything. But when two people are working together, you can accomplish anything. And that's all they had to do. Their story is not unique. When you got both people grinding, when you got one person grinding and one person 
just thinking that their job is to look good and show up, you're going to struggle. You can be wondering why you're struggling. You can be mad. And I don't know. The other thing that I think is dope is even though I think she works just as hard, if not harder, and she had just as much education, if not more, she also kind of submitted to his goal where a lot of women, they're like, nah, like I got, I'm bringing in money too. I'm bringing in just as much money. I got all the education. You should be blah, blah, blah. But there's certain intangible things that come with being a man that have nothing to do with, can you pay all the bills or can you buy me Gucci and Louis? It's just like, no, like you are a man and you have these quality traits. You're put here for a reason. If I overstep my boundaries, I'm going to ruin my destiny. And so she submitted in, in that situation to his plan. And now they travel when they want, how they want and still make money. Whereas a lot of women would fight that. Be like, no, well, I, you only live once. I'm only blah, blah, blah. And they'd be still in the same place 10 years later, have all the debt. It probably would have doubled in value with the interest. They would just have nothing, nothing but trips and money gone. And so you can take trips once you qualify for the trips because it's a lot of people. I was like, vacations have become the new flex. It's not even like that you earned a vacation. You're just doing it to do it. So then it just becomes like it just it's showing how much money you're spending. It's like, oh, I'm in this hotel. I took this flight. I did this because I got it like that. But really, it's all financed. There's this thing where they're talking about people can finance vacations. I was like, folks, been financing vacations. They just been putting them on credit cards and paying 20% interest and defaults on the credit cards. And now they got paid because once you spend the money on the vacation, it's money gone. Who wants to have to repay something they can't even see anymore? Not a lot of people. Uh, can't even see it in your driveway. <laughs> can't drive it. You can't see it in your driveway. It's like spending crazy money on food. When it's over, it's over. It's over, it's over. And it's, it's crazy. They Even before they had the businesses on the side, they knocked out the $114,000 worth of debt. They didn't even have the businesses yet. Well, I think that the the uh, the cleaning business helped. Maybe helped I'm not accelerate sure. the pay down. Oh, I didn't know they started before they paid it all They're off. They're grinding, man. Either way, grinding, it grinding, take- grinding impressive definitely impressive what they've done now they're about to have a baby congrats to them all good man you had another tweet where you said all my currency reproduce my money is fertile that's a mr organic line and uh, i thought it was a fire mr organic line he'd be dropping some gems every now and then the way mr organic raps is kind of interesting what he does is He'll go into the booth and he'll just start freestyling off the top of the head and then what they do is they start cutting stuff and moving it and so he'll have a bar and they'll move it and they'll put it in front of another bar that it might sound better. And so it's not just all one flow. And at first he was trying to write it all. And he was like, that doesn't make sense. He's like, writing is kind of hard. So he just go in the booth, just start saying whatever he wants to say off the top of his head. And they mixed it down. And it's like, it comes out to be a banger. He'd be having some bangers. He can have like, he can have some lines. And I think other people might be doing, I think other rappers do the same thing. Like Lil Baby and all those people, like they just go in the booth to start rapping. And then the engineers turn into some dope stuff. Anyway, I just thought the line was dope. And it just talks about how that's kind of how it should. Money should be working. It should be reproducing. I just thought it was funny. They just said my money is fertile because we're talking about like a lot of people assume like women are, are fertile. And so like if your money is fertile, it reproduces. Reproduce. I thought it was kind of witty. <laughs> That is funny. Mr. Mr. Organic is funny. I love seeing him on Instagram, man. I never even heard of him until you mentioned him one time. But you know what's crazy about Mr. Organic? He is definitely the epitome of choose yourself. The fact that he's like 36 or whatever age he is, he might be older than that. He's almost 40, if not already 40. 38, 39, something like that. And he decides he's, I'm a rapper. (laughs) Never had a a deal. He's already getting money for all the other stuff he's doing. But he decides, I'm going to put myself on and I'm a rap. Who cares what anybody says? You know, he got the personality for it, but he just said, I'm a rapper. And... And I'm dope, he says. 
You know, and when he was on um, No Jumper, he was, I don't know if you saw that interview on YouTube. He, the stuff he was wearing with like the, the, the mm-hmm. headpiece. And he was like, look at me. I look like a clown. <laughs> I shouldn't even be here. You know, but he chose himself, man. He puts his money behind himself and he's living the life he wants to live. Yeah. Man. See what? I think um his the way his brand is blown up is the pie is the YouTube strategy where you gotta put out content every single day. He has a new episode every single day, so much so that I'm gonna watch it even if I don't wanna watch it or I'm inclined to keep up with what he has going on because he always has new stuff. And so like if you always are dropping content, that's just the way to to grow a brand. And that's what he did. And that was a secret. And his YouTube money just took off with these ads and everything. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So you had a tweet today. You say your family deserves to have a rich person and it changes everything for everyone. Yeah, it really does, because you can kind of become the cushion and the helper for everybody. And that's why when you have family and friends who maybe don't support your dreams or support your vision, they're actually doing themselves a disservice. Mm. A lot of the things that, because I mean, a part of it is making the money and having the money to help people. But another part of it is learning how to make money and now showing other people how to make money. So if you've seen Chris, Chris's sister's been running it up. Chris's brother's been running it up. Her, uh, Chris's sister's boyfriend has his own brand. And so he taught them how to build a brand and how to build a business. And so sometimes it's not even about, hey, here's some money. And Rick Ross talks about that inside of his new book, Perfect Data Boss Up. I think it's what the title is. So it's just interesting because I've been able, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, I was, I'm able to put my mom on payroll, pay her. Um, able to do a whole bunch of different things. And all the other people that I've been around with, have, their lives have improved too. Like I was thinking, I was like, we went to the mall last week and bought a bunch of gifts for for Christmas. And I was like, man, back in the day, I would get like for Christmas, I would make sure to get my wife like a nice bag. And now for the past two Christmases, we've made sure we can get our mom's nice bags too. So like I got my mom a Louis bag and then we got our mom a Gucci bag. And then last year we got both our mom's Louis bags. And so I was like, man, like it's kind of interesting how everybody's life improves when one person kind of gets to the point where they need to be. We've been to Vegas, just like doing really nice things. Everybody's life has improved as my life has improved. And anybody that I'm around is going to experience added value. And you guys got to be that person for your family. Ideally, everybody around you would be rich. That's what I really want for us. And so I felt bad when I said it because I'm like, I really want everybody in your family to be on that rich person wave. But if at least you got one, you're good. And Al's family, Al was that one. Al took care of everybody because when you get to the point where you're rich slash wealthy, you have more than enough to take care of yourself. That's called an abundance and an overflow. You need an overflow. 
where you have so much resource that you can take care of yourself and you also have resources to take care of others. And that's why the $1,000 day goal is good. That's why the $20,000 weeks are good. That's why all these things are going to add value to what you have going on because now you're not just working for yourself and everybody's not capable. Kanye in his interview, he was saying like, there's people who were earners and he's like, he's an earner. Kanye's an earner. And he's like, his dad will never have to work for anything because he's attached to an earner. And so you got to be the earner for your family and you got to think of how you can be the earner for your family. And there's value in that. And we have to understand that everybody might not be an earner. Everybody might not be that person. Yeah, that's funny. And the key is, like you said, now you could teach other people to do it. And you, you said before, like the family business doesn't just save you. If it, it saves everybody. Now, I don't know if you saw this story, but the CEO of Better.com fired 9% of the workforce 900 people on a Zoom call. Did you see that story? Yeah, I heard about that. Actually, I saw the video. Yeah. That is crazy. It's basically like, yeah, if you're on this Zoom call, you're terminated effective immediately. <laughs> Was it like mute all so they couldn't even say nothing? Because I would imagine that they'll be just flipping out. I haven't watched the video yet. I'm going to watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. I just read the story. I was like, man. And now he's saying like, he, he apologized to, like, to the people that still work there. Like, yeah, I kind of handled it wrong. Like, you think so? Firing people by Zoom? I mean, that's tough, man. It's a new age, man. If you can work by Zoom, you can get fired by Zoom. Right? That does kind of make sense, man. And people have been saying for a minute now, like, forget the the H's. These bosses ain't loyal. These jobs ain't loyal. They never have been, really. These jobs ain't loyal. And y'all been, and people been saying, like, you better have something else going on besides your job. Like, you want to keep your job, keep your job. But just remember, you can lose that job at any time. Anytime. And the, the worst part about being able to lose a job at any time is usually they don't pay you enough so that you can float it. So it's like, that's the fear. The fear is not only am I going to potentially lose this income, I wasn't even making enough income to do anything. anything. So it's like this state of panic that sets over you. You have no, no probably rental properties, no investments, no things that are going on. All you have is that job. That job is mm. gone. The bills don't go away. You still got to live somewhere. And that's the scary part. Like that's what people care about losing their job. It has nothing to do with like, oh, I lost my job. Like if you lost your job, but you were sitting on a bunch of money, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be that worried. But a lot of folks are losing their job and that immediately puts them into poverty, immediately puts them into a desperation state. Because yeah, if you, especially if you living on the edge, like you need every paycheck to pay every bill and you can't miss one. And then you go from 100 to zero real quick. Yeah, man, that is just crazy. And you know what's funny? Uh, people online are criticizing him, like rightfully so. But part of it they're saying is like he did it on like... December 1st, right before the holidays. And I'm like, eh, that's actually typically when it happens. Mm, why? I don't know. I think I think it's really is about it's like the end of the year, depending on what what kind of fiscal year the, the company has. But it's kind of like, I guess if they're gonna make a cut, let's cut them before the, the new fiscal year starts. So I think and I've been part of I've been part of these mass type of firings. Not nothing near those numbers. But I remember one time a company I worked at, the, the mass firing happened the night before the holiday party. Mm. Like I left work that night, came back the next morning and I heard about it. Mm. I didn't even know it happened. I came back in the morning and people told me, yeah, yeah they cut like 20 people. Like and one time it was like 13 people in one day. It was like people were just dropping like flies, man. Yeah. Honestly, man, a lot of people say entrepreneurship is risky, but you know what's risky? It's showing up to a place that can let you go on a whim. That's risky. And quite honestly, that's why I choose entrepreneurship because I don't, that's the risk I don't want to take. 
I can take the, the risk that I can I can manage, but I can't manage how people feel about me. I can't manage what they're saying about me behind closed doors. I can't manage what their subjective opinions might be about me. I can't manage that. I, I can't manage that risk. And I've been in situations where I thought I was killing it. I thought I was crushing it. And like folks just wasn't feeling me. And I don't think it had anything to do with the work ethic. I thought it had a lot to do with just, I don't know, race. I yeah, don't put in that position because I'm that dude, man. And it's like no matter what type of industry you're in, is office politics that come along. Like like you said, you don't know what people are saying about you behind your back or what they think about you behind your back. Because yeah, people will say one thing and be saying a whole different. People right. they'll interact with you one way and be doing something way different. Yeah, and, and sometimes you, you might say, "Oh, they two faced," but sometimes it's like they can't really tell you what they really think about you to your face because it'll turn into an HR issue. So yeah, either yeah. way is like it's not good for you, man. And sometimes people get the wrong idea about you, and sometimes it's not people hold grudges. Yeah, sometimes it's not people, people trying in competition to competition with you. People not being a snake, but it's just they have the wrong impression of you. If somebody else is telling yeah, the wrong true. thing, or there's some information that they don't have about you, but think that you're just no good at what you do. It's all part of your downfall, man. Mm-hmm. And you had a tweet where you say your grandfather, your grandfather couldn't start a company on the side with his smartphone. Yeah. Um, reading the Gary V book right now. And Gary V made a few points about just entrepreneurship in general. He was talking about how the wages in different countries across the world are just like staggeringly low. I want to say in the Philippines, he said that people are making like a thousand dollars a month or something even lower than that. And then he looked at like a different country that they're making like like something crazy low, just like very low numbers. And he was even saying like, even in the United States, like it's pretty low. And so he was saying that being in America and being able to own a business puts you so far ahead in terms of income compared to the entire globe. So we should really appreciate that. But he also made a point that we have a lot better even than like our uh, ancestors that came before us prior generations. And he said this line about how your grandfather couldn't have started a business on the side with this smartphone. And when I heard it, I was like, dang, that's deep because I tell people a lot of times, like you can legit start a business from your cell phone. You don't need nothing else. You can take product pictures. You can record a podcast. You can go on Zoom, do meetings. You can do all that stuff from your cell phone and people that just aren't maximizing their cell phone. But it's also just lets me know that there's no reason for us not to have a business because you don't have to do what had to be done in the past. I remember when I was younger, I asked my mom about starting a business and she would say like, oh, starting a business is risky. You got to take a risk. I, I think I might have asked her like the definition of entrepreneur. And she's like, entrepreneurs are risk takers. And we just talked about risk. Like the real risk is working that job where they could let you go. But another risk is back in the day, if you wanted to run a business, you had to leave your job, spend a bunch of money to open up a storefront, spend a bunch of money to get inventory. Then you had to work the the actual job, the actual location. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to get the storefront. You don't have to buy the inventory. And you also don't got to be there manning it all the time. So the risk in terms of that have really gone to zero. And so we take that for granted. We really do. We've been given a lot of gifts through e-com, through these websites these landing pages, all these things that make business just a cinch. We got to take advantage of them. Yeah. And you had to have like full-time employees. Like, right. There was no getting around that. No getting around that. <laughs> now you can do stuff on on the side. You can have a full-time job and not have to quit. Exactly. You can have a full-time. Which is a real hack. You can have a full-time business and a full-time job because you don't even have to be there. You could run it up, have other people run it, and you just collect checks through your phone. And you could just, or you could just even t- tweet something out and get 
get some sales. Now, the young lion, Dantes Akram, he had a tweet I saw today. He said, being your own biggest critic will stop you from launching a lot of stuff. Just drop that shit. Mm, it's funny because I wasn't expecting the tweet to end that way. Um, I thought it was, I, I didn't know where he was saying. I thought he was like actually glorifying being your biggest critic, which is what a lot of people will say, right? A lot of people, they're like, oh, you should be your biggest critic or whatever. Like, I thought that was interesting. And then I also saw like the just drop that shit. And it reminded me of episode where we said like how to how to launch your own product. <laughs> think think about shit. it, create it, and, and then launch it. it. Yeah. And this is why it's important to get into rooms with executors and get away from people who just want to be rich. Mm. Because when you get into these masterminds, when you get into these rooms, you're going to get around people who know that that's how you do it. And you don't have to debate or argue with them. It's like, bro, where we at? Cool. Like even with the Carter Coldfield thing, like people don't like that. I don't like to plan too far in advance because too many different things can happen between now and then. So like this meeting that I had with Tasha, it was booked like two weeks ago. I didn't have, I had no idea what was, I didn't know I was going to get bit by a spider. Like <laughs> I didn't know any of this stuff, <laughs> but I would have known that this week. I would have known that. I didn't know that I was going to a Kanye concert and all these different things because that just kind of popped up. And so I do things in the now. I don't do things in the two weeks from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now, but Getting with like Carter Cofield, like they hit me up like two days before the podcast. I was like, cool, I'm there. They hit me up like two days before the speaking event. I'm like, cool, I'm there. But that's what successful people do. Successful people make it happen. Unsuccessful people, they're like, oh man, you know, let me see. And by the time that they get to it, I done done 10 episodes. I done did 10 speaking events. Mm. You just now get into year one. And so it's cool to see that um, a lot of successful people, that's how we move. I'm not over here trying to knock all the little things out of my product. I'll figure it out when it's launched because most people never launch because they're too big, busy figure, but you can't get paid unless you launch. And so one of the things I was going to say is I was at the Social Proof podcast live recording. There was this dude there had a great idea. A lot of people who want to be successful, but aren't successful, have great ideas. I remember this, what are you talking about? Okay, go ahead. Genius ideas. And so uh, the reason why I remember this is because I was listening to another Social Proof podcast today and he was doing a similar thing. And so the guy's like, hey, I want to start a professional track league. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I just got to I just got to raise millions upon millions of dollars. And they're like, no, you don't. You need to go get a track and start running around that track. (laughs) And that's how entrepreneurs think. Entrepreneurs know that it's our responsibility to be out there doing and let the resources find us instead of sitting around waiting for the resources to find us. And then we say we'll start doing so that's just my thoughts on that whole little segment. Yeah, when I saw it, it was like, it really hit me, man. He said, being your own biggest critic will stop you from launching a lot of stuff. It's like, yeah, I feel I felt that one because, I mean, I, I've been through it. I've been like, you know, it's like, why would anybody want to hear about this from me? Like, I'm not like huge. I'm not like some multimillionaire. I'm not like the number one podcast isn't the number one podcast out there, you know, and you, you forget that there's other people out there that are nowhere near to where you are. And somebody said, everybody got their own tribe, man. And your tribe is out there waiting for you, man. Which is why we need a Patreon. Yeah. Your tribe is out there waiting for you. So launch that shit. Like we said before, think of that shit, record that shit, drop that shit, you know. Gotta let go of the fear. The only way to get through it is to do it, man. Once I dropped my course, it was like, it was still, my heart was still like, I don't know. I had a tight feeling in my chest for about 30 minutes and then I just released it. It's like, it's out there now. Mm-hmm. And I felt good about it. Just getting it out there was an accomplishment, man. So I'm telling you, that stuff you've been thinking about doing for years, do it. And if it fails, at least you did it. And you can't, and you you don't, you won't go another five years saying, man, I wish I had done that. Release 
said, let it go, man. Move on. It might become big. Now, you touched on it a second ago, but you had a tweet where you said, unsuccessful people always have a long list of things they ain't going to do. Yeah. Um, It's just interesting how people will come to you with their problems and then you start talking about potential solutions and they're like, well, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Or that's not what I I don't want to do that, that. And they start talking about like all these different things that they're unwilling to do to become successful, but they're mad that they're not successful. And I thought it was kind of interesting because I just didn't realize in that pattern with a lot of people. And, you know, I think that it kind of, I just feel like unsuccessful people have like a lot of reservations and it's it's not even so much like, can you be successful? Is it, is it possible for you? It's just, what are you willing to do that might not be comfortable, might not be fun, might be ugly, might be difficult. That's going to get you there. And you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. That's why Grant Cardone speaks on like, whatever it takes. For the longest time, like that was a big mantra in his brand is like WIT, whatever it takes. I'm doing whatever it takes to get to the goal. Like, oh, I got to go work weekends, whatever it takes. I got to work evenings, whatever it takes. And a lot of people aren't approaching that whatever it takes. They're trying to expand what they're already doing to give them the life that they want. They're trying to say, I work 40 hours. I need to get a raise on my 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not working weekends, but I'm not going to work weekends because I don't work weekends. I'm not, I don't work evenings. I don't work holidays. I need to live my life and I get I should be taking vacations. But the whatever it takes mindset says, if I got to punt vacations now so that I can live the life that I want, that's just where we at because it's whatever it takes. If I got to drive Uber to get my goals, whatever it takes, successful people are willing to do whatever. Unsuccessful people are willing to do what's convenient. And convenient likely is not going to get you to success. It's just going to get you to more of what you're already getting. Yeah. The thing is, it's so funny. Like, let's forget about even building wealth or even like entrepreneurship, even just on the job. And people want to get paid more for that job, but they're not willing to do anything extra to get paid for that job. They, they don't want to have, they don't want to work harder. They don't want to work an extra hour a day. They don't want to take a class and improve their skills. They don't want to go sometimes even look for a different job at a different place. They don't even want to have a better attitude attitude at work. They just feel like I should get paid more for what I already do. And that's it. And it should be enough for me to live and vacation Mm. and buy nice things because I just deserve it because I'm a human being and that's my birthright. Mm. But how do you really feel like, I know sometimes you get, you feel like kind of frustrated when you tell people like, you want to, you want to drum up business. You should do this, this, and this post this many times, do this, do this, and you get frustrated because people don't do it. But even more, but even more than that, like, how do you feel like personally, like when people are not willing to do, like you said, like this way back in the early episodes, you talked about how you used to deliver like bouncy houses, you used to drive Uber, you used to do all these things for free. You used to, you used to have an internship, you used to work two or three jobs. And now people, if you were to tell some people to do Uber, they would probably look at you crazy. Some people don't don't even want to lower their prices. They don't have a thriving business yet, but they want to have thousand dollar products right out the gate. Like, do you feel insulted by that, man? No, <laughs> no. Um, it's funny because I didn't realize that I could just like move the microphone so I could be more in the video. But it's funny because I, I would say the only real instance that I would say I feel insulted is when people come inside of the mastermind and they don't want to do the work. Because you came here for a reason mm-hmm. and it's kind of like de facto coaching. It's like it's a it's a coaching experience. And if I'm coaching you and you're not taking the coaching, then that that can kind of be insulting. It's like, bro, like you, you join the mastermind, you join these different programs. But every time I say something, you you are rejecting it. You're pushing back against it or you're just not doing it like that, I would say. But like at the timeline, 
Not so much. I think I've progressed past trying to get everybody on the timeline to just be harmonious and think like me. I don't really care to do that anymore. I just care to just Twitter's changed, man. Twitter has really changed. Um, so it's like a hand it's like a handful of people that i see like i have a lot of followers but like i don't have a lot of people that i interact with anymore like i don't really interact i just be tweeting my stuff and then like since i have so many followers people who like engage the tweets those are the people that i really see that exist and usually it's like some people who i don't really know that well or people who aren't really tweeting that what that much so i don't know maybe just my mindset has changed about a lot of things and the people that i'm willing to listen to and people that i'm willing to like i don't know that twitter is twitter's not the same Mm. You, had, you had this one last week we're going to talk about before we wrap it up. You said time is going to pass whether you're working or not. So you might as well be working. I was, um, interestingly enough, this has nothing to do with work. It has everything to do with me going to the doctor. I've been putting off going to the doctor all week. I got bit by this spider a long time ago, but I just kept pushing it back, kept ignoring it. And it was like 1.30, like one o'clock. And I was coming back from LA because I just did my whole tour run for the day. And I was like, man, I'm going to go to the office right now. I'm going to work. And then I'm going to go to urgent care. And then I was like, that's dumb. Just go to urgent care. So I went and then I sat there and I got my stuff. It was a quick little appointment. It wasn't quick, actually. It took a little bit of time. But going to the pharmacist was actually quick. So that was happy. I was happy about that because usually pharmacists be taking forever. And this pharmacy got my stuff in like five minutes. And honestly, my legs already feeling better. So that was one thing is I was like, if I'm just going to spend this time, I might as well just go spend it, sit in this doctor's office instead of dreading being in a doctor's office. I'll still make it productive time. So I did make it productive time. The other thing is, even with the car, I always dread dropping off the car and going to LAX to get my other car. And I was like, bruh, the hour and a half is going to pass anyway. You might as well just spend that hour and a half in the back of a car while you're doing what you got to do and then get your car and go about your day. So basically, the point is just be productive. Make sure that you're using your time productively because the time is going to pass anyway. So if you're over here punting the time, if you're over here doing nothing, you're just you can't get that time back, but you can get a return on what you do. Everything that I did today, I'm glad that I did it because I could have just I could have also just sat in the house and done nothing. I wouldn't have done that, but I could have if I wanted to. So that's what I got to say about that one. Hmm. Yeah, might as well be working because you're surprised how fast the time goes. Don't ever make the mistake of grabbing your phone when you should be working and going on social media because <laughs> the time will fly. Or, or I hate what I hate um, series. Like I rather watch a movie, even though it's longer. Movies like two hours. But the series is like you watch one episode, then you gotta watch the next one and the next one, yeah. and they all like an hour long now in this yep, day and age. Yep, yep. And then your whole yeah. day is gone. So whole day for sure, for sure. But we're gonna wrap up episode 116 of Tweet Talk the Black Belt Podcast with your hosts Raphael and Charles. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's Tweet Talk P O D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow my guy, Charles, on Twitter at Real Todd Billion, because there's only one. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and also at Todd.Capital. I'd like to leave you guys with one last thought. I'm going to repeat the last tweet for you guys. Remember, time is going to record it. <laughs> time is going to pass whether you are working or not. So you might as well be working. Episode 116 of Tweet Talk the Black Love Podcast. Your hosts, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast featuring 
Mercury, of course, Charles Oglesby, and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk Podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.